0: Let's turn our attention to, um, as we transition from these international churches, and you're an international church, so as I look around, there are different colors, there are different backgrounds, there are different uh, places that you come from, but you've ended up here, and how do we best communicate when we don't know each other well or have different backgrounds? One of the ways we do that is by telling stories. Because telling stories is universal. It is worldwide. Everybody tells stories. And this was demonstrated by a friend of mine who is a, a seminary professor in the West Coast of the United States. And he's been studying this for a long time and he was invited to go to the Polynesian Islands out in the in the Pacific Ocean. And they wanted him to do a certain training for pastors. He said, I'll do it, but you have to let me do what I want to do, at least in one session. And what he wanted to do is take all of these pastors from small churches and teach them how to tell a story. The reality is we all know how to tell stories. And he demonstrated this by dividing the group into um, groups and, and had them around their tables tell stories. And you couldn't tell how you became a Christian. And you had a couple of other things like that. Some story about your life. And then when they'd all had a chance to do that, he said, okay, uh, let's have somebody share their story. And so anybody around your table had a good story? Oh, this guy, he's got a great story. Okay, come up here. And so my friend, uh, Kent, had this uh, pastor stand and face the group... And he got on a blackboard behind, a whiteboard, and began to lay out how you tell a story. These two people had never met. My friend was a Canadian who's become an American, and he's teaching a Polynesian. And as the Polynesian man was telling his story, it followed the pattern of storytelling. It's universal. And one of the best storytellers in the whole world was Jesus. He told stories all the time. Matthew Mark Luke and John are full of stories that Jesus told. We call them parables. And in the parable you have a principle that is revealed in there, but you don't come out and say it. You just tell the story and as you continue to tell stories, then the um, the truth comes out. And so this morning we're going to look at some stories. And uh, two of my very good friends, Ziad and Silvana Who have a special place in our heart are going to come and read. Thank you, Pastor K.R. It's always good to see you. Yes, thank you. Um, Good morning. The first parable is taken from Luke, uh, chapter 15 verses 3 to 7, and this is out of the NIV. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that... In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Praise God. We'll continue the story. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I would like to tell you another story. It's a story of a man who had two sons. And these, this man had these two sons. And one of the sons decided that things weren't really good at home so he said to dad dad I wish you were dead and so if you were dead I would at least get my inheritance so I'd like to have my inheritance now so that I can go and live and do what I want to do and so father being a very good dad decided I will figure out how to do this some way so that I can bless my son And so over a period of time, he separated his assets. The older son gets most of it, but the younger son would get his share. He was able to sell and gather together enough of the resources. So he was able to say to his son, if I were dead, this is what you would get. Bless you as you go. And so the young son took the money, thought it would be, set him up for life. And off he went to a far country where he wasted it. And he had friends as long as he had money. And when the money ran out... He lost all of his friends and he found himself in a very desperate situation he found himself not able to get work not able to sustain himself but he managed to get a job feeding pigs which was just about as low as you could go for a jewish boy who didn't want to have anything to do with pigs and when he was watching the pigs eat he said I wish I could have something to eat. If I went home to my father and said, Father, I've sinned, won't you take me back home? I could be his servant, and at least I would eat. And so the boy started to make his way home. While he was still a long ways away, the father came running towards him. And he braced the boy and said, "Come on in. I'm so glad that you're home." And he told the servants, "Kill a calf. We're going to have a party." And the band started playing, and there's just great rejoicing. And the but the, remember, this father had two sons, and the older son who was working came in from the field, and said, "What's all this music?" And the father said, oh, come in, the, one, the son that's been lost, he's come home, he's here with us again, come and rejoice. And the older son said, no, no, I don't like him at all. He squandered the wealth of the family, and I'll have nothing to do with him. And so, in a sense, both, both sons wanted the dad to be gone. The one was just hanging on long enough to get his share. Nobody loved the father. We have three stories, the story of a shepherd and sheep, the story of a woman and coin, and the story of a dad with two sons. I want you to talk to me for a few moments. What are the things that stand out to you in those stories? Just one or two things. Anybody? Something's Something's lost. Yeah, anything else? There's, something's found. Yeah. Anything else? I heard something. A party. Let's have a party. Yeah. There's joy? Exactly. In your Bibles, I hope you know that, this, that the, the headings they put over sections of Scripture, that's not Scripture, okay? That's just somebody's idea about what is there. Because when you say the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son... It's really more about being found than lost. I think we should say the found. There was no celebration when the thing was lost. Lots of celebration when there was found. Why do I? Why do we focus on these three stories today? Here's why. In the first story, we have a shepherd, and this shepherd is willing to put to, at risk 99 healthy, good sheep to go and look for one that's rebellious and got separated from the flock and is lost. In this parable, we see God as a shepherd. And we begin to get a picture of how much God loves lost people because he will put them all at risk, the the found ones, in order to find one that's lost to bring them into the fold. In the second story... And this may feel uncomfortable for some of you, but it's a reality. God is a woman. And in this story, God, who is depicted as a woman, has lost a coin. And what does she do? Well, she probably never did so much dusting and cleaning and sweeping until she found that coin. Her house looked wonderful when she was done. But what did she do? When she found the coin, she probably spent the money in order to have a party, to tell her friends, i would lost this coin, and I've now found it. Why is that important? It's because God depicted himself as a woman who loves lost things so much that she was willing to take the nine coins and put them somewhere and go looking until she found the one. Lost things, lost people, matter to God a lot. In the third story, we have the story of a of a father and in this story god is a father and he's got some sons he's got some rebellious sons we mostly focus on the younger son but both sons are lost and the one in the story if you and you know the story well while the son was still coming the father saw him and ran to him the fun the son never got a chance to get home to father to apologize why Because the father is always looking for the one that's lost. And so the father was waiting for the son to come and invited him in. Well, who were these three stories uh, told to? It's a very interesting, we didn't read that part. But if you have your Bible, you can uh, look at it if you want to. The first part of uh, Luke chapter 15. And there are four people, four groups of people in the audience one is the tax collectors another one is sinners another one is pharisees and another one is scribes and the complaint of the pharisees and the scribes is that jesus spends all his time with these terrible people the tax collectors tax collectors and the sinners the tax collectors of course were jews and they had but they worked for the roman government And so their job was on behalf of the Roman government to collect taxes from their neighbors. The way they got paid is if they had to pay the government 100 denarii or some, they would try and collect 110 and keep 10. So they got very wealthy, extracting money out of their own fellow um, villagers and and working for the government. You can just imagine. Nobody likes a tax collector, but especially when the tax collector is working for the enemy and is cheating you. The other group in this was sinners. Uh, these are people just like you and me um, and worse. They were thieves and, and uh, people who did nasty things to other people and they were just all round ordinary people but just not very righteous in the way that they approach life. There among them were prostitutes, and there was probably alcoholics, and there was probably abusers. And, some, and so the Pharisees and the scribes, Pharisees, of course, were the legal experts. The scribes were very educated people because they wrote everything down. You know, and there was, actually was a time when there wasn't iPads and, and word processors and computers. So everything had to be written. And so they, they would write down everything that happened in the community. If you needed a new book, they had to try and scribe an old book by writing it down. So they were very educated people. And the, the, the legal minds and the most educated people in the community had this great concern about Jesus who didn't seem to want to spend time with them. In fact, he always said nasty things towards them and kept reaching out to these tax collectors and sinners. So in this story, in these three stories, we find this passion that God has for lost people. And as International Church, and you have gathered here, I hope that your heart breaks for lost people all around you. And not just people who look like you or come from where you came from, but God has brought you together for a purpose. And when he calls, that message that we were to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and he would be with us to the very end, is a mandate that this church has because it's planted here in the name of Jesus. So let me um, just give an illustration, a very practical illustration, of how this works out in a church. And uh, if you thought I came here to do all the work, you're absolutely wrong. I need volunteers. Could I have three volunteers, please? Don't all rush up here at once, but I will suddenly designate three people to come. I need three volunteers. Okay, here's one. You can have that one. Just stand here for now until we get the rest of the volunteers here. Yeah, that's a good one for you, right? Okay, would you? All right, we, we, we have three words here. Belong, behave, and believe. So I want you to line up. I want you to come right here in the front with Behave, right out front. And the two of you can get in behind. In fact, Believe should be next and then Belong. This is what this looks like. Oftentimes in the church, we say you can come and be part of us. We are like the Pharisees and the scribes. If you behave properly, you can be part of our group. So clean up your act and come to church. That's often the way we look at things. We want people to be like us, to act like us, and to not be so dirty and not be so sinful and not be doing the things that well you're going to give us a bad reputation if you come to church doing the things that you do. And so this is often the 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 way we keep people out of church. So, just come over here. Sometimes we also say to people, you need to believe you won't, be, you, won't, you won't be part of us until you believe. I mean, we have some beliefs. And we, we proclaim those beliefs, and they're right, and we should believe. The problem is when we say you have to believe to somebody before they become part of us, it becomes a big problem because they don't know how to do all of that. So we'll come over here. Now you come over here. And I need a gap. I need a good gap left between the two of you. Okay? Okay. <coughs> The three parables. No, you stay close here because you you need to come over here. That's right. (laughs) We need need the behavior one way over there. (laughs) (laughs) What we learn from the three parables is that Jesus says, come and belong. Because he spent time with tax collectors and sinners. And so the the church when it's functioning with this passion for lost people this passion for people who don't know jesus Is that they need to come and belong first So the church ought to be a place where we welcome everybody in And they don't have to clean up first an interesting thing happens when people hang around people who believe they transition from belonging to believing at some time. And the reason we have behavior way over here, that's our measuring point of, uh, often. But the reality is it's a long ways from believing to behaving in all the ways that Jesus would want us to do. And I, but the reality is that Jesus is more interested in the direction than the distance that you've traveled. So, when we believe, we bring Jesus into our heart and life, but the old person keeps hanging around. Have you ever noticed that? I've been a Christian for a long, long time, and still things show up. I haven't quite got this all figured out yet. But Jesus knows that, and so he takes us from believe, and then step by step. So the church, when it creates an atmosphere where people belong and encourages them to believe and is not so concerned about the behavior because at this stage the holy spirit begins to work and behavior begins to change and the reality is if we said today who's got it all together and we behave a hundred percent all the time not one of us can put up our hand but as we make this journey Jesus is, cons- is, is most interested in the fact that we're moving closer and closer to him. So that when I get about here and I sin, the, the, the time between when I sin and I confess gets shorter and shorter. And then my behavior starts to come more in line with what I believe. Okay? Um, <laughs> I want to illustrate what happens in this middle stage Oh, I put it in my pocket. Good. Okay. You have to go back to work now. Uh, you all got a pencil, and I'd like you to take out your pencil. If you'll notice that uh, on the pencil, it's the website for the All Nations Church Phuket. So, welcome and uh, greetings from the church that I pastor in Kwe, in uh, Phuket. You can, uh, and I'm having trouble saying Phuket. Darlene catches me all the time when I'm saying Phuket. I usually say Kuwait. And so... Uh, <laughs> Now, now I'm here. I'm, I'm, it's, it just, it's just, Kuwait is so deep in my heart that it's hard to get away from saying it. So anyway, this is Phuket. So if you want to look at our website, it's, it's a really a poor website. Uh, we're, we're, but you can look at it. And we're, we're going to be working on that in the next time, a little while. But but here's, the, here's what I want you to do. Uh, this is on behalf of some of your fellow believers in Thailand. They've sent you a pencil. I want to ask you a very... Could be easy, could be difficult. Where I've done this before, it doesn't always work out the way I thought. How many ends do you have on the pencil? How many? How many ends? You're just like most crowds, you can't count. One, two. (laughs) There are two ends to this pencil. Okay? I'm going to ask you to hold this for me so I can talk. So, this pencil has two ends. When we come to a church where we can belong, Something begins to happen and we begin to hear a message and a little rough edge gets knocked off. A little while later we hear a good message and another edge gets knocked off. And another and another and another until we come to the place that we're ready to believe. What happened the reason I give you a pencil and I want you to take this home and keep this be reminded of this. The reason this is important is because the story that's been written in the belonging stage gets wiped out because the one end of the pencil has an eraser. And God remembers our sin how, how long? No more. He, and, and it's as far as the east is from the west. And so when we come to the believe stage, we get to write a new story. So when all of this comes together, let's be a place where we welcome those who don't look like us, don't act like us, aren't part of our community, but they can feel belong here. And we do it in such a way so that these beliefs, we will never compromise, but we do it in a way that it still makes a community for the folks to belong. And then we have all of the tolerance that Jesus has for people who are lost and we get passionate about just loving them and caring for them and inviting them to be part of our community. And when they believe, they write a whole new story. So we could do that today. We could each have you. Most of you would be able to tell us that you've written a new story. So just to recap, let's be a place where people belong so that when they belong, they're able to write a new story as they believe. And a little while later, all down the line, behaviors will begin to change does that make sense to you that's the kind of church that i want to pastor in phuket so we've been talking about this um, aspect of belonging and how do you get people to belong and what can we do to be a welcoming place thank you ladies appreciate your help let's close with a word of prayer so father god i thank you I thank you for the leadership of this church under the direction of Pastor Steve and also Pastor Dell. People who have dedicated themselves to seeing a church planted in this place, a place where you are honored and glorified, a place where people can get to know you. We pray, O God, that always this will also be a place where those who are seeking, those who are lost, those who don't understand Christianity, they don't know who you are. will always be welcomed here. And as we get a vision, like you had for reaching out to lost people, we pray that you'll bring many into our fellowship. Many will become believers and help us to stay focused on helping people to write a new story. Taking the eraser, writing the, er, erasing the old, writing a new story, a new story of faith, and a new story that's leading to greater and greater things. So I pray a blessing on each person here today. Thank you for each one who's come. Thank you for the relationships, the deep relationships I have with some, and, uh, and deep relationships to be developed with others, that together we might fulfill the commission that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.